Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. I don't know about you, but I so appreciate our worship team. <laughs> we think that, yeah, absolutely. It's like they're like a fixture for us because they're here every week and they do their thing and what a blessing that is. Now, I'm going to make you un- all uncomfortable this morning <laughs> because it was like this last song really um, compelled me to do this and you're all going to have to get out of your comfort zone. Sorry. <laughs> but I want you to stand up and kind of connect. I want everybody to just kind of hold hands across the auditorium. Just connect with the groups that are there. Just come to the center. If everybody kind of moves in towards the middle and just whoever's in the next row over, just grab. We come in and we get so disconnected. If you can, yeah, if you can't reach, then okay, I get it. You don't have to like totally rearrange yourself. We are the body of Christ, all right? And we are God's sons and God's daughters, and we are one. And I hope this morning that you're here seeing this as your family and not just a bunch of random people. God put this body of Christ together here. Life Source Church, he intentionally put all of us here for a reason. And I hope you came here today understanding that there's, there's so much more to coming to church than just showing up. So pray with me, please. Father, we humble ourselves before you this morning, so thankful for the work of Christ on the cross and what that means for us. And Lord, we come before you, your church, sons and daughters, desiring for you to meet with us in a very real way today, to touch our hearts, to challenge our minds, to know that not only are we no longer a slave to fear because of the power of Christ, But we have people in our corner who have our back that are in this room. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We honor you this morning. And we ask, Father, that your word will go out with power and boldness and strength. We love you. We honor you. We revere you this morning in Christ's name. Amen. Appreciate you guys and your flexibility. You can try to find your seat now. No, No changing seats on people. That's not fair. Everyone will get mad at me. We're going to spend some time um, in the book of Acts, chapter 9. It's page 1264 if you're using the Bibles that are in the chairs, just so you'll know. Um, Page 1264. I know it's not up there because I didn't put it in my notes, so that's my fault. Um, I'm excited this morning uh, because I'm preaching, not because it's Labor Day. (laughs) It's it's, it's the end of the heat. Um, But anyway... Those things said, now, three nurses show up to the pearly gates waiting to get in. And uh, the first one is an ER nurse, and of course it's always St. Peter because that's his job at the pearly gates. So St. Peter's like, why should I let you in? And uh, the ER nurse says, well, I've been working in the ER and I've helped save thousands of lives. And she says, yeah, yeah, that's, that's definitely a good reason. So, all right, come on in. So the next one is an ICU nurse, and the ICU nurse is like, you know, I should be able to go in too. And he says, well, why should I let you in? And 
he says, well, you know, I've worked in the ICU and I've labored and I've just been there for my patients and thousands and thousands of patients have been healed and have gone on. And it's like, okay, sure, come on in. So then a managed care nurse comes up and says, oh, I need to come in too. And he's like, well, why should I let you in, a managed care nurse? And while I have saved the insurance company thousands and thousands of dollars, and it's been a wonderful thing for me. And he says, okay, sure, come on in, but you can only stay for three days. <laughs> HMO is real in our lives, isn't it? We can all relate to that. I, I saw Sue, is, Jerry's not here, is he? No. I was amazed. He had a hip replacement and was home the same day. I'm like, what? <laughs> well, I've been praying for Jerry. Please pray for Jerry, too. I'm sure he's recovering. How is he doing? Yeah, he's, he's getting there. All right, cool. <laughs> I can't imagine. <sighs> We're going to kind of look at Paul's life a little bit um, and just kind of the, the changes that took place in his life. Um, but we're, we're looking at this whole idea of foundational faith, and it's interesting that we're at the end talking about this when really the foundation is always the beginning of a project, right? But I think it, what it does, what this does for us is it helps us understand that sometimes we do this with our life. We build, 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 and then think about the foundation. When we really need to be thinking about the foundation on the front end of things. So hopefully you can kind of consider things today and think, okay, what in my spiritual foundation maybe needs to be tweaked, maybe needs to be changed, maybe needs to be totally obliterated and rebuilt. Um, I don't know about you, I watch a lot of DIY stuff. It blows my mind how they build stuff in the South. Um, you know, stuff's this far off the dirt, and I don't know, it's weird. But foundationally, they're always, you know, fixing the whole floor in a building, and it's, you know, it goes like this, and you can see the effects. I mean, when we were up here looking for housing, when we first moved here, I mean, there was one house you walked in and you were literally compelled to roll, walk down the other end of the house because the foundation had been so ill done or whatever, and it was crazy. The floors were nuts. Um, so it shows, you know, the foundation, which is not seen, has such a vital, vital part. And I'm not going to talk about construction foundations, so let's move on. What we want to see, though, is... Foundational faith provides vision, okay? And I want to talk more about like spiritual vision than just physical vision. Um, now, the New Age movement has twisted this concept a little bit, um, teaching that we make something true by believing it. That is false, okay? Truth is truth because God has said it's truth, not because we believe it. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about that later. Uh, but our responsibility is to face reality, choose to believe what God says, is true. And on the face of that, that sounds like, oh, that's pretty easy. I just have to believe what God says is true. And I think what happens oftentimes is we take an academic approach to our Christian walk and just say, okay, I've got to understand these things that God has. And what happens is, is we have this academic approach and it's just about fact-finding. It's just about gaining details. It's just about understanding how the progression of some of these things have gone, but it never impacts us. And that's got to happen. See, God wants to transform our lives. He wants to change our lives. And the thing that's really cool is, is he's faithful to do it from the very moment we say, I believe, until the end of our life. So cool. God is so faithful that way. And the thing is, is he waits for us oftentimes because we're pushing back against them. Sometimes he'll, you know, just kind of take a step back because it's like we're moving in a direction that we want to go and he doesn't want us to go and he just waits. And it's so cool. 
He is just the master builder that is so patient and so caring because he wants our best. And he's not willing to, he doesn't want to force us. He doesn't want to compel us. He doesn't hold a gun to our head and say, you got to. He wants us to understand his love, his care, his patience enough to yield. And so as we look at this whole idea of foundational faith and coming to the end of this whole series, and I know we've kind of covered a lot. It's been a lot. It's sort of like getting that sip of water from a fire hydrant. But hopefully as we walk out of here today, we can have some clear understanding of where does my spiritual life stand today and does something need to change? Hopefully you'll walk out of here today kind of thinking a little bit differently there. Um, now it was really cool. When we went onto the mission field, um, you know, you kind of leave everything you know and you're kind of away from everything. Uh, Amanda probably experienced that more than we did because she was out of the country completely and everybody around her was speaking a foreign language and that, you know, that's got to be a challenge. Fortunately, we didn't have to deal with that. But the thing is, is when you leave everything, especially your family, you feel it. You do feel it. You know, those people who usually bother you at holidays and the people that you're you know, annoyed with from day to day or whatever, when they're not there, you miss them. And you, you feel the difference. But the cool part about being a believer is God uses his family to, to bring adoptive people in. Uh, we, we had a, a woman in our life group that became our adoptive grandmother, and she just loved our kids and took care of our kids, and she was very much just, she felt part of our family. And God was faithful to do that. I, I think there are people here today that, I mean, I know for me, there are people that they're like my family. I mean, they're more like my family than my family in some cases. Because it's just, we've grown together, we've lived together, we've done life together, we've done problems together, <laughs> we've done challenges together. And God is faithful to help us start to see those things. Um, and the family of God, the family that God and the church that he provides can be something that we can either completely miss or completely invest in. And, and so think about your, your involvement at the church. Think about your involvement with other people here. Um, I know how easy it is to just let life take you. It happens to us all. You know, I, I think that's part of the plan of the enemy is let's get people so busy that they miss out on all the joy that's available in the church. So first off, starting in Acts 9, we're going to start with uh, verses 1 and 2. But even before that, I'm going to give you a little bit more. Uh, Paul's perspective and Paul's mindset before Christ uh, God's people were the enemy and to be punished. Acts 8.3 says, But Saul was ravaging the church, entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. And then you skip to Acts 9, verses 1 and 2. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found anyone or any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And so for Paul, you know, these people, this family of God, they were enemies. He was against them. He was trying to tear this whole thing apart. And it's like his vision for that was completely off. 
And I, you know, I think those are the people we deal with day in and day out that are outside of the church, right? Their vision is completely off. They don't understand why we would do what we do. They don't understand the, the life changes we make. They don't understand why would we go to church a couple times a week. Why would we invest in other people's lives? It doesn't make sense to them. And that's where Paul was. And that's where we all were before Christ, right? We didn't get it. And so this whole idea of when we find faith, and actually it's when it finds us, because God is what, he's the one that's pursuing, he's the one that's reaching, he's the one that's wanting us to be involved with him. When we find that, it transforms our vision. And the thing is, is we can either believe and walk toward it, or we can do like Paul did and fight against it. And so this whole idea of the foundational faith bringing us this, this vision, this understanding, this sight, um, becomes a very powerful thing for us. Because it's like as we start to embrace God's word, as we start to walk in his will, it does change how we live our lives. It does change how we pursue people. It does change our relationships. And we have to invite that in. Because I think sometimes we think, you know, yes, God's supposed to do it all, but there is an involvement. There's a relational aspect to our faith in Christ. See, God just doesn't want us to have this list of things that we do to live by. He wants it to be relational. Um, I know I missed that with my dad. He was always gone. He was always MIA because his idea of keeping our family you know, needs done was to work. And he worked incessantly. And so I never had that opportunity to talk to him about what do you think about this and what do you think about that. It was just kind of, I did my own thing. And when I came to Christ, I mean, the word of God became this huge opportunity to talk to God about how am I supposed to do life? What's it supposed to look like? And so it's like, for me, Walking in the word and walking in faith became this very easy and natural thing because my default was this book has all of the answers, all of the right answers, and exactly how God wants us to live. And so I just automatically, and it wasn't easy, there was, there's still things today that I struggle with that this is God's will, but it's not natural for me. It's not easy for me. And I've got to kind of yield some of those things, trusting that God knows better. So let me see Paul after Christ and we see this whole idea that he sees them as brothers and sisters. He sees them as part of his family. He sees the larger picture. Um, Acts 9, 9, 17 to 19. It says, And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him said, Brother Saul. And just, you know, I keep using Saul and Paul interchangeably. It is the same person. <laughs> God changes his name. Um, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. And then we go on later on, and I don't think I have it up there. I didn't include it in there. But 1 Corinthians 3.10 gives us a little bit more insight as to where Paul's head was at. And it says, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. And so Paul gives us this idea of, okay, this is our responsibility. And it's, it's the, the responsibility is, is to work with God. 
And, you know, sometimes we want God to force us to do things or to, to make us do things, and he's never going to do that. And, you know, it would be easier, don't you think? Wouldn't it be easier if, you know, God was like your mom was and said, you know, pick up your room, pick up your room, clean your, da, da, da. right? It would be easier because it was like, then it would all be on him. But God wants us to come to a place where we understand why we would do those things, why we would yield to his word, why we would make changes that are so drastic that the world takes notice. See, that's, God wants us to have influence and impact beyond what we really think we can have. And I think sometimes we come to a conclusion that I'm just one person, I can't really make that much of a difference, so what does it really matter? Paul was one person. And look at how influential he was to the whole New Testament. One person. And yes, we, we don't have the same dramatic conversion that Paul had. I understand that. But it is dramatic because we were, if you're a believer in Christ here today, we were all were headed to hell at one point until we made that decision to trust him. That's dramatic. Equally as dramatic as that was the same road that Paul was on. And so for us to, to think that us, one person, can't make a difference, that's the lie of the enemy. That's what he wants us to believe because it's like, think about it. If one of us could become another Paul... And then there's a Ruth, and there's a Deborah, and there's a, a Peter, and a John. And Think about what we could do. I mean, Walt's desire and hunger that the Lord has placed in him for this whole idea of Vision 2028 is to dramatically transform the Worcester and surrounding area with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's possible with just the people in this room, with just the people in this section, or this section, or this section. It's possible. But we've got to start to have that kind of a vision that if I put myself completely in the hand of God, he can change the world with me. <laughs> They're coming for us. <laughs> it's getting scary. But the most important part is foundational faith gives us the vision to see Jesus as Savior. Going on from Acts 9, verse 20, it says, Immediately he... Paul, Saul, preached Christ in the synagogues that Jesus, he is the Son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed all those uh, who called on his name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, pro proving that this Jesus is the Christ." And our life should be doing the same thing, proving that Jesus is the Christ. And you're like, oh, how does that work? And it's, I think it's as simple as what we see here with Paul. We should be making changes that reveal Christ on a regular basis. I'm sure there's things that, you know, as you interact with the Word of God, that pierce your mind and think, Ooh, I probably should be doing this, or I probably shouldn't be doing that, or I probably should adjust this. And then we, we wrestle with it, right? But that's hard. But uh, I don't want to do that. But uh, what will people think? And, uh, and either we are going to embrace what people think, or we are going to embrace what God thinks and make a decision one way or the other. We should be choosing God's way. Because that's what's going to make the most impact. That's what's going to provide so much 
vision for other people to see Christ. Just like what was happening here. John 20, 29 also says, Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. And that's us. Right? We, we didn't see Jesus, but we're believing. And there's a huge blessing that comes with that. But also with that, there's, there's kind of a challenge because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, and so we should be living that way on a regular basis. And I think what happens is, you know, we, a couple weeks ago, right, we talked about Gideon. We get to that place where it's like, ooh, I want the fleece. Ooh, I want to see. Ooh, I want to know. And I understand that because it's easier to make decisions when we feel confident. But guess what? It's way more exciting to make decisions by faith. Because it's like your trust is completely in God. It's like, okay, God, you've given me this step. And that's what he does so often. I'm not a fan of that, personally. Because <laughs> it's like you don't know what the next step is going to be or when it's going to be or what it's going to be on. Could it be something that's a little rocky? Could it be something that's hard? Could it be something that might bring a little bit of pain? Yes, it could be. But guess what? When it's in the context of God's will and it's as he's leading, it's going to be amazing. Because that's what God does. That's how he works. We have got to see God as not this kind of little concealed thing, but he is huge, enormous, able to do anything and everything beyond what we can ask, beyond what we can think. He's that much bigger. And I'm not saying do crazy stuff. I'm not saying that. But I am saying yield to him. Listen to him. Pursue him in a diligent way that you can hear his word, that you can have the Holy Spirit move and direct and guide. Because when you start to live that way, you don't want to live another way. It is addictive. I mean, God has used situations in my life that minister to people, that open people's eyes, that help them, that challenge them, that create some drama for them. But it's like it's in God's hands and as he's using that and doing that and you see his hand. Do you want to see God's hand at work? Start listening to his voice. And you'll see his hand working through situations, working through people, working through circumstances. I mean, God does so much through circumstances. If you really step back and look, you say, oh, there's God working up. There he is working there. And wow, he did that to do that and that to do that and that to do that. Wow. And we start to see God at work. And when you can start to see God at work, you want to be a part of that. Because it's exciting, and it's amazing, and it's transformative for us because we start to become a part of that. And I'll tell you, that's humbling. I stand here this morning humbled that God would even think about using me to talk to you this morning. Because I know me. I know who I was and what I've done and what's been in my life and what my attitude is sometimes, and yet he is faithful to use me just because I said I'll do it. And it mine. Mind-blowing to me. All right, off my little soapbox. A couple things before we move on. How do you view God's word? Is it truth? Is it the ultimate authority in your life? Are you continually yielding and transforming to its direction? What have you done with Christ? 
Is he just that one time, okay, yeah, I'm trusting him for my Savior. But see, the Word tells us that he should be our Lord and Savior. Savior, that's the insurance policy, right? Okay, we know we're not going to hell. But Lord, he wants to direct. He wants to influence. He wants to guide. He wants to father us. And part of that is allowing him to be Lord. But we like being Lord of the Ring, right? My life, my choice. And he allows it. He wants us to say, Lord, I yield to you. I surrender to you. I want what you want. He's not going to force us. We've got to choose. How are you doing at applying the things you're learning? And I say this because it is so easy to have your Christian life be academic. Oh, yeah, I know all the stories, and I know the progressions, and I know all the details, and hey, I'm going to rock your world on Bible trivia, and you look out. (laughs) And those are all good things. Details are good to know. But if it's not transforming who you are, it's just information. It's just data. You want these things to permeate your heart and your soul and your mind and to start making a difference in the world so that God's able to use you. He's able to move you. He's able to take you and say, okay, I need you to start kind of doing this over here. You go, okay, Lord, I'm not sure how it's going to work, but you're saying to go, so I'm going to go. I mean, we see that way back in Genesis with Abraham, right? Abraham didn't know a clue other than you need to leave. Okay, packing up, I'm going. And, and no, I, <laughs> I denied the Lord for five years going into ministry full time as a missionary because I was like, why would I want to do that to my family? Why would I want to live on $25,000 a year? Why would I want to do that? Why would anybody want to do that? But that's what, that's what we would have made as area missionaries on the field. And for five years, I was like... God, that's, that's ridiculous. No one would ask somebody to do that. And then slowly, God continued to use the word to challenge my mind, challenge my mind, challenge my mind. And it's like, do you really believe that I will meet all of your needs? Or are you going to do that? And I'm like, isn't that my job? You know, I'm the husband, I'm the father. I'm, isn't that my job? He's like, I'm the father. Isn't that my job? But even more than that, haven't I told you that I will meet all your needs in Christ Jesus? And that's where it was like the moment. It's like, all right, Lord. All right, I, I, I don't see it, but I see you. And that's where the spiritual vision comes in. I see you. I don't see how the details. I don't see how it's going to work. I don't see how it can even fathom on paper. But I see you. And I'll do it. And I will tell you, God did more in our life with $25,000 a year than some of the things we could probably do now. Just amazing, incredible things that God did to meet our needs, to provide. I mean, we never went without meals. We were never concerned about transportation or housing or any of that stuff, ever. Because God faithfully met those needs in very creative ways, let me tell you. And sometimes, if there's one thing I learned about God, he is all about time. 
<laughs> he uses our time constraints to the nanosecond. But he's faithful. I can tell you this morning, he is faithful. So if you follow him, you can have confidence. You can have peace. You can have rest. You can have joy. But I'm getting too far into my, where I'm going, so I will stop there. Foundational faith, so provides vision. Secondly, foundational faith provides direction. Uh, faith is something you decide to do, okay? Not something you feel like doing. Trust me. <laughs> There's some stuff that I did because this is what God said, not because I felt like it. Uh, believing something doesn't make it true. Uh, truth is already true. Sounds like a tongue twister. Therefore, we choose to believe it. Um, how, many, how many remember the old, God said it, I believe it, that settles it? It's like, it's, I don't know. I've always, I've always struggled with that. I always struggled with that. Because, you know, right in the middle is I. I believe it. And it's like, you know, it should be changed. And you can say, well, Dave, you know, you're, you're getting a little bit crazy here. And it's, well, maybe. But to me, it's like God said it, and that settles it. Whether or not we believe it or not does not change it whatsoever. Now, we should believe it, and I want to believe it, and I do believe it. But to me, that needs to be out of the equation. <laughs> believe it, for sure, but God says these things, and it should settle it for us. It's not up to debate whether or not we believe it. It's not up to debate whether or not we should do it. We should. Now, we, God allows us not to, and so be it. But let's understand that it's going to provide a direction in our life. Because guess what? When you align your life to God, you move in his direction. When you choose not to align yourself to God's word and his things, you choose a different direction. And God's really cool. Uh, and in the sense of he promises blessing for obedience and he warns of discipline for disobedience. <laughs> so it's like we shouldn't be surprised when things go down, right? But we are. You know, we, we make decisions and you know, then we have a problem and we go, God, why are you doing this to me? And it's like, I didn't do this to you. You chose to walk in that direction. And that's what goes with that. And so we've got to start understanding God is so simple. And I think that sometimes we trip over the simplicity. Because he, he lays it out for us. These things are going to bring blessing into your life. Living this way is going to provide joy. Doing this stuff is, is going to allow you to whatever, whatever. And we go, eh, I don't feel like it. I'm going to do this. Because this feels good. And then stuff goes down. And you can be doing the right thing and have bad stuff go. I'm not saying, you know, that's how that works. But when we listen to God, and when we are moving in his direction, we see it, we can understand it, and we trust him in it, which is where we need to live, complete and total trust. Because he has us in the palm of his hand. He's not going to let us go. He's not going to let us be harmed. And sometimes we miss out so much because we're fearful. We're challenged. We're debating. We can't see it. First off, foundational faith provides direction to be an active part of God's church. Back to Acts 9, verse 26 through 28. It says, and when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. 
But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, and that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So he was with them at Jerusalem, coming and going. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if there was someone t- today that you know, they were just you know, out targeting Christians, and then all of a sudden he showed up here? Like, why are you here? Why would you want? I mean, that, that's what was going on with Paul. And it's like, that's the dramatic change that happened in his life. But the cool part was, is he automatically started to get that sense of unity and oneness and being a part of God's family and what that should look like and what that needs to be like. And that was coming together with his brothers and sisters. It became a natural outpouring of what God was doing in his life. And that should be it for us too. And I think sometimes we are fearful of what that means for us. You know, well, if I start getting involved with people or if I start taking this or if I start doing that, what's going to happen in my life? What, what are the expectations there? And we get so worried and caught up about what could possibly happen that probably is completely unrealistic, and we miss out on what God has for us from the body of Christ. I mean, and that's, that's the picture Scripture gives us, the body of Christ, and each of us having and being a part of that body. And every person in this room is necessary. Every person. God wants you to be here, needs you to to fulfill that role, that gifting that he's provided for you, because that's what's going to make us the most successful at reaching the community for Christ and growing in our own relationship with God and moving forward and who we are. But the thing is, is sometimes we put ourselves in a cast. (laughs) We put ourselves in a sling. And we, we prevent ourselves from being as useful as we could be. Uh, next, foundational faith provides direction to live your spirit filled, or to live your life spirit filled. I'm sorry, uh, living a changed life that others can see, and, and to me, this is where directionally um, we have a huge opportunity. Because you know, as much as we don't realize it, we're being watched. <laughs> um, it's funny we have neighbors. Super nice family, young couple, two kids. I don't know if they really live there because we never see them. It's unbelievable. Um, it's funny. We used to catch each other. We, we, this winter we'll catch each other because we're usually out there shoveling together. Um, but other than that, it's like we almost never see them. We almost never hear them. They have a dog, which is, I don't know, they must have gotten rid of their voice box because we almost never hear the dog. It's amazing. But I mean... There's just, it's hard to connect with them. Uh, we've got a pretty good relationship. Um, it was funny, I had to track him down uh, a year ago because Deb and I were sitting in the living room and started to smell smoke, and we thought our house was on fire, and lo and behold, the neighbor's truck was engulfed in flames. And so I like, fortunately, I knew where he worked, and so I kind of tracked him down, and it was kind of wild, but it's hard to get together with neighbors and people. It's like it's one of those things that are just not natural. But he knows we're different because I've tried to help him out a lot. I've tried to get involved in his life. He understands that. And our lives are supposed to be that. And I think that scares us. And, And I understand the fear because right now Christians in the world do not have a great name. 
right? And we're afraid to be associated with those wackos or those crazies. But guess what? We have an opportunity to re-influence <laughs> how people think of Christians. Let's be the change agent. Let's be the one that steps into the water and stuff happens. Let's be the one that lives in a way that people question but see Christ. See, that's the key. You look in the Bible and everybody was drawn to Christ. So that's the important part is we let him be seen in our life because that's going to be the thing that's going to draw people. That's going to be the thing that, wow, I, I, there's something, and that's usually, there's something different about you. That's what they all say. And that's because Christ is visible at that moment. And people are drawn to him. And so as long as we're allowing that to be what's seen in us, we're going to have a huge influence. Um, let's see. Acts 9.31 says, Then the churches throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Great litmus test here. Great litmus test as far as are you walking in the Spirit? Because these things should be part of your life. Peace, being edified, revering the Lord with how you, what direction you're moving in your life, but also the comfort of the Holy Spirit. If those things aren't evident, you're probably not walking in the Spirit. And that, that's one of those things, too, where it's, that's an invitation. The Spirit's not just going to barge in and say, hey, listen up, I've got, this is what you're going to do. That's not how it works. You know, he's not Woody. <laughs> Small, still voice, right? He comes in and he says, I'm here. This is what you can do. Start to move in this direction. But if we don't yield, he waits. Because he wants to work with us. Because the thing is, is when we are surrendered and yielded to the Lord, we don't blame him when stuff goes wrong. We go, okay, Lord, there's something in this. We understand it. Uh, but if we're like, if we're being forced, you know, that's usually what happens, right? Someone forces us to do something and something goes wrong. See, I told you, we shouldn't have been doing this. Look at what, da, 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 da. and then we go ranting and raving. But when we're part of it, it becomes a completely different situation. And that's how God wants to work with us. With us. Surrendered, yielded to him. Growing in our understanding and everything that goes with that. So a few questions before we move on. We're almost done. What direction is your spiritual life moving in? Are you moving closer to the church and getting more involved or living with one foot in the world and one foot in the church? And that's easy to do. It's so easy to do. Um, I wish it wasn't. Um, but it's, it's one of those things where, again, God wants us, us to understand it and see it and yield to it. Um, are you living in the Spirit, experiencing peace, revering God, and experiencing the comfort of the Holy Spirit? And again, I'm just laying those out there. You decide. You decide. Because that's what God's expectation is. He wants you to invite him in. And that's how it started, right? God didn't force you to become a believer. He didn't force you to become a follower of Christ. You invited him into your world. And that's how it continues to work for the rest of it. So foundational faith provides vision. Foundational faith provides direction. Foundational faith, thirdly and lastly, provides truth. And this is the ultimate foundation. 
in my perspective, in my opinion. True biblical faith is choosing to believe and act upon what is true because God said it is true, and he is truth. I know it sounds repetitive, but if nothing else, you'll walk away knowing truth is truth, right? Uh, it's kind of cool. There, there are three foundational elements, and then there's a structure that gets built on this. Um, firstly, Jesus' truth. John 14, 6 tells us, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is the way to God. The way. Foundational. It doesn't happen. Oh, but aren't there so many roads to God? That's what people want you to think. But God has leveled the playing field so all people, anyone, whosoever, can come to him. And so he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. Second foundational element, the Holy Spirit, is the spirit of truth. John 16, 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak in his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are come. So that's that inner workings of how the Spirit works, how he moves in our life, how he brings that vision, how he brings that direction. The Spirit is very much a part of our Christian walk here and now. And I think sometimes it's easy to just dismiss that voice we hear. I know it sounds like it's our voice, but it's really the Holy Spirit trying to influence, to move us to direct us. The third foundational element is God's word. John 17, 17. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Strong foundation, strong foundation, strong foundation. Three foundational elements to build into our life something that can make us immovable, unwaverable. Because we learn, right, the winds are going to come. It's going to happen. I mean, we're, we're talking about this hurricane down there, and they're all worried about what's going to happen. I mean, look at what happened. I don't know if you saw. I was amazed. Uh, the last storm they had down the Cape, that literally you saw the roof of a motel just get peeled off. And it was like, it was huge. And it just like, <laughs> like it was a kid's toy. It just blew away. But with a good foundation, we will weather the storm. Right? And that's because storms are going to come. But depending upon our foundation, depending upon how we live, that's going to make all the difference in what's going to happen. And so it's like if, if our foundation is sure, we can trust what's going to happen when the storms come. When they come, they're going to come. The fourth element here, really it's structure. Uh, the, the foundational element of support here is the structure. It says, we are to speak the truth in love. And Ephesians 4.15 tells us, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. And, and that's kind of the, the movement that we're supposed to have. We should be, Christ should be our example of what we're learning and growing and yielding toward to become. Not better than the person who sits over there or the person who sits over there or our neighbor or whatever, Christ is to be the example. Because we can always find somebody else who's not on the same place in our journey that they are. That's not where we're supposed to be looking. Christ is that example. And yielding and growing into that. 
John 13, 35 says, By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And it's like that's that whole speaking the truth in love, how we interact, how we yield. And I think um, we've stepped off the path a little bit within the church. Um, you know, we're quick to shoot our own. <laughs> we're quick to wound our own. And they're the very people that we're supposed to be loving and caring for in a way that shows the world what it's supposed to look like. And um, the thing we have to remember is we all are going to be challenged by stuff in our life. And um, instead of reaching out, oftentimes we try to handle stuff ourselves. We've got a huge resource in Christ's family that can come in and support and help and be a catalyst. Um, but oftentimes we just kind of suffer alone. And that was one of the reasons why I, I wanted to pull us together this morning. We are not alone. First of all, if you're a believer, Christ will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He's always there. And sometimes he'll use the people that you see around you this morning to be the very help you need to get through some of the stuff that's going on. And sometimes you have to step out in faith that, okay, I'm going to do this because God says it'll help me instead of hurt me. And use that strong foundation of the truth, the spirit, the word, the Lord to live differently. A couple things. Do you choose God's truth over the truth this world continually provides? Do you? Are you aligning to God's truth when he reveals it to you? Again, not treating it academically, but okay, God's asking me to grow. He's asking me to change. He's asking me. Um, your faith must be grounded on the solid rock of God's perfect, unchanging character and the truth of his word. For 2,000 years, Christians have known the importance of verbally and publicly declaring God's truth. That's how they're going to see Christ. We have got to be that catalyst. We have got to be that voice of truth. Foundational faith provides vision, so we will not be blinded by this world. Direction, so we will not be lost for all eternity. Truth, that brings unity to God's church by revealing himself the ultimate authority. Kind of bringing it all full circle, Paul's faith had a miraculous and powerful transformation. From destruction of the faith to laying a firm doctrinal and mission-focused foundation for the faith. Is your faith doing that today? Because we should be changing the world, and if not the world, at least the Worcester area for Christ. Okay, let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning thankful for this study of just how rich and how vast our faith really is. It's just not a one-trick pony. There's so much that comes with faith, so much that will provide for us, so much that will feed us, that will challenge us, that will empower us. I pray this morning, Lord, that as we consider your word, as we consider this whole study, that it won't be just information that we've accrued, that it will challenge our hearts to grow closer to you, that it will move us nearer to you instead of further away, that it will enable us to be salt and light 
in our neighborhoods, in our family, in our community, and in the workplace, and wherever we go. Lord, help us to see us as vessels worthy to be used by you to change the world today. To allow Christ to be seen in us in a way that draws people to us so that we can be witnesses, that we can give testimony to all you've done in our life and how you continue to grow us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Please pray for our pastor and his wife. They're in Portugal still. I believe they're coming home Tuesday. Hopefully the weather will not alter their plans. And uh, other than that, the Connection Center will be open afterwards as long as refreshments too. So have a great week.